Project does tell me that it is recording. Awesome. 0.15. And that is perfect at 0.15 and 1.30. So perfect. The fan turned off. That's what I was excited Man, fans drive me crazy, dude. Yeah, like, can you hear how, like, there's no fan now? Nope. Well, because I don't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to take it out. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but it's time. Damasi and Michael just talking tech. All right, so did you get a chance to look at the Google Doc document yet? Finally? I did look at it. Yeah, I did look at it. Man, yeah. it took a... So I got to figure out how to phrase this as feedback and i'm gonna send it as just general feedback through Mm -hmm. the drive app and the docs app because i went to docs first and i had it filtered by last modified or most recently modified and for the longest time the dm36 doc was at the very top of the list so i was like well maybe it hasn't shown up because i never opened it in docs so it's just hanging out in the Mm -hmm. drive folder so i went to drive Went to our team drive folder, went to DMS 37, and there was nothing but the images folder sitting there for a long, long time. There should have been an audio images and talking points.gdoc folder nope. or file. There was just the images folder. Finally, <laughs> I was like, well, maybe Mike created it and then he just created it in the regular drive instead of the team drive. Right. Because you know, I've done thing that, that can so many times happen, right? You know, so I, that's when I sent you the message. And right after I sent you the message, I went back to drive to make sure that I hadn't screwed up the date, like the number, the episode number. I was like, maybe it's actually DM36. I don't know. When I get back to drive at that point, I back out of the folder. DM36 now has the title of the show on the folder because that wasn't uh-huh. there before. And then DM37, I go in and there's the doc. And I was like, oh. So I did just title DM36 this morning because I just published it yesterday, again, late. But I realized yet, or this morning when I was going in to edit the Google Doc for DM37, which, by the way, show notes and more information at your own pay.com slash DM37. Did it again. Anyways, uh, when I went in there and I realized that DM36 still didn't have a title, I went ahead and added that title. So maybe that change pushed an update to your Google Drive. I don't know. Something's not synchronizing right, and it's frustrating me. Uh, Just so you know, I have a backup of Google Drive, well, of the Your Own Pay folder in Dropbox now because, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I think the actual storage is fine. I just think it's just clients updating. That's not the first time I've noticed Google Drive on iOS, like taking a super long time for something to show up. I just thought it was an aberration at that point because, you know, sometimes stuff happens. Now, I before we make any drastic moves, we'll definitely be playing a lot more with Google Drive and Google Docs on Android because I think our experiences will be a bit different on that. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, well, of course, the Drive app is already installed. I haven't opened it yet. I'm actually right. trying to figure out which accounts I want to sign in with on this device because I have, let's see, if I count them up, I think I have four or five <laughs> Google. I think I have four G Suite accounts at right. this point. Not like counting four, your regular Not Google counting just account. my regular gmail.com account. Like, I think I actually yeah. have four G Suite accounts because there's, uh, there's BS. There's the family account. There's my business account. Yeah, then there's NFB. So, yeah, I got four G Suite accounts. Don't worry. Uh, I won't invite you to your own pay because then that would mean I'd have to pay for you. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the only reason, like, I don't have a lot of people in a lot of places. Like, the only reason I'm paying for the family account for G Suite is because uh, Fastmail was sort of kind of giving me some fits. 
with their with their administration of people's accounts mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't as easy for me to go in and like reset a password or whatever like that and that seems to be a thing i have to do quite a bit so i went back to g suite for the family services as well but yeah that's that's the reason like that's why i took so long for us to get g suite set up on uh <laughs> blind employment because like i didn't want to pay for you guys right. <laughs> like right. i love what? you guys but i want to pay for you especially on my <laughs> business account because i have the actual G Suite business, so that's oh, so it's like ten dollars a user going up to twelve dollars a user or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes yeah. me nuts too. Pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah, everyone's doing their price increase. Uh, like every, everyone, did you see the Samsung phone that was announced yesterday at nineteen hundred and eighty dollars? <laughs> premium man is a premium product. Hey, you know I could go buy a uh, twenty seventeen base model five K iMac for probably less than that if i found it in the refurb store just probably. just as a note you know do you want a fold-up phone or do you want a spectacular screen on a mac imac uh. <laughs> i saw some mentions on the mailing list that yeah the form factor might be pretty cool but can the software handle it and that's the big question which we'll see <laughs> yeah i mean we're at the point i'm not going to be a first developer that's myself or a first adopter <laughs> No, not unless they send me one. Like, you know, if somebody over in the Samsung department remembers I beta tested for them some years ago a few times right. and they're like, hey, we're going to find you guy and send you one of these <laughs> phones. Like, I'll take one then in those circumstances, but I'm really not interested. Like, I would love to actually have a phone that flipped. I remember a few years ago, it's probably been like five or six years ago, probably longer than that because it was before the big phones came out from Apple. There was a rumor that Apple was going to make a flip phone. Because mm-hmm. uh, Samsung mm-hmm. had went and made like a flip mm-hmm. smartphone, right? So people mm-hmm. naturally were like, oh, well, Apple's going to do one too. It's like, you know, I probably would actually buy that. I miss the flip form factor myself because I, I, it just, I don't know, just felt less bulky. But apparently things are going bigger now. So I don't know where it's going. I don't know where. Cases are interesting for flip phones, actually. Finding one that can be both efficient to cover your phone and still allow you the functionality of being able to flip is definitely something that I remember exploring problems years with, ago. Yeah, yeah. Flip phones back. I mean, I would just spend a lot of money on a leather case that covered the back of it, you know, covered up both sides and just opened up. Like that, that was usually my default. But then I didn't have any extremely fancy flip phones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, like they were just your basic, you know, you flip it up, there's a screen in your earpiece, and then right below Good old LG 4650 for me. There you go, man. <laughs> I had that one too. Good so, phone. Pixel XL3, those of you who don't know, Demasi and I both have acquired one over the past week, and we're going to be experimenting with Android. At least I'm going to be playing with Android a lot. Pretty sure Demasi is. I've been playing with Chrome OS, and that's been fun too. Uh, Demasi, do you have a case for your phone yet? I have not gotten a case. I probably will pick up. I'm really not a case person, to be honest, though. Do you drop really. phones, though? Or? Not a lot. I'm saying that You're after better I have <laughs> dropped my iPhone 8 uh, about oh. three weeks ago. And funnily enough, like I was actually walking back home or back down yeah. to the house down here and I uh, had it in my hand and was trying to either put it in my pocket. I was trying to do something with it. And it mm. just flew out my hand. So it's in the grass on the side of the road. I'm just, you know, <laughs> tapping around, moving my feet really slowly, trying to find my phone. Cause, like, so you I don't squish it. <laughs> right. Because like, I don't want to step on it to make whatever just happened to it worse. Right. But I don't tend to drop phones. I've only actually broken a couple of phones. Uh, I've thrown phones and broken them. 
Yeah, I had that happen to Remember an iPhone that? 4. Yeah, I had that happen to an iPhone 4 too. Like I threw it. So, you know, it breaking was actually reasonable. Surprisingly, I threw that phone quite a bit and it only broke like the seventh or eighth time I actually threw it. So, <laughs> Oh, fun times. Yeah, I typically like to have a case or at least a screen protector. How do you feel about screen protectors? Screen protectors are more fond of just because it keeps the fingerprints off the screen and at least if you drop the phone now it's a little different now because all of the phones have glass or most of them now have glass backs so that that sort of changes up the whole case argument too uh, usually mm. because the back of the iPhones were aluminum so you really had, didn't have to worry about those but having a screen protector on oftentimes would save your screen it has saved my screen before from actually cracking the screen it would crack the screen protector but it wouldn't crack the screen and what I tend to use are those, I don't really have a brand necessarily, but I go for these sort of like tempered glass ones. So yeah. they, they're, they're actual piece of glass, not the little just sticky paper that covers, that covers it up. I go for the actual glass screen protectors because if something's going to crack, let the stress hit that first mm-hmm. before it gets to the screen. Yep. Let it hit that break and then let, you can feel that break. Like... I, I can tell when it's time to change screen protectors. We used to buy Zag, I think they are, or Zig uh, screen protectors. And then we realized that we were upgrading phones too many times and it was costing us a lot of money in those screen protectors. But I'll tell you what, I, I think we only had to replace one of them. So that was, and it was yeah, free. And, it was a free replacement. And at this point, like at this point, you can oftentimes find like two or three packs of those on Amazon. That's actually yeah, Mallory found a three-pack. They're off-brand, but they're the tempered screen protectors for 15 for the Pixel XL. I'll mail you one if you want. Yeah, man, do that. That'll be awesome. All right, all right I'll get your desk. three-pack. <laughs> but, so, but here's the thing about that. I mean, like I said, one, you could use to get a three-pack or something like that on Amazon. And because the technology has been around so long, like the off-brand models are now reasonably as good as what you will buy from a high-end manufacturer, you know, three or four years ago because mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, the manufacturing process has trickled down. I mean, it's just like anything else. It's like, look at the iPhone 10s, right? You know, the first <laughs> iPhone 10 was super expensive and had Face ID. The following year, they were able to put Face ID in a slightly cheaper phone, which is the 10R, just because the, the manufacturing process for that has trickled down. Eventually, I'm pretty sure everything in Apple's lineup down to what I hope to see at some point, a, a remodeled uh, SE is going to have Face ID. Uh, yeah, that would point. be nice. Like Face ID now is the default, just like for a while, Touch ID uh, was, well, fingerprint ID. I call it Touch ID. I think that's an Apple branded that term. Maybe, yeah, it? I think that's an Apple branded term. But, yeah. they, you know, I sort of accept because Apple, because again, and, and to be fair, before anybody, you know, goes into the comments at DM37, you're on pay.com slash DM37. I know Mike knows that there were fingerprint readers out well before Apple ever did Mm -hmm. it. The major difference is when Apple did it, they did not fail nearly as much and didn't give you as many false positives or false negatives as other fingerprint readers in the industry before that, which is why Touch ID all of a sudden became such a thing. Now, Apple spent a lot of money to buy a company that that was their technology and use that for their Touch ID sensor in the iPhone 5S. But they did do it right. Like they did it better than anybody else had ever done it. They tried touch ID or tried fingerprint authentication. And then they just sped it up. Like when they, when they did it right, they didn't really break it. They just made it work faster. And from what I've heard, I've only tried Face ID on the iPhone 10. Uh, however, I've heard that on the 10R, 10S, and 10S Max that it's even faster than what it is on the 10. So they s- tend to go in that direction with the trends that they start. 
Yeah, because Touch ID in the, I think it was this, the S Model 6s, so the 6S and the 6S Plus, I think, got what they call Gen 2 Touch ID, and it was hella faster because I had a I had a 6 Plus, mm. and I had a 5S with the first Gen Touch ID, and it was fine, right, because it worked. But yeah, getting a 6S Plus, like, it was noticeably faster when you put your fingerprint on. Like, it was so fast to the point that Apple actually had to put a setting in that says, <laughs> don't unlock my phone when I push the home button. Because <laughs> you would literally push the home button like you were used to to wake it up, and you would be on your home screen, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, you would just completely it, it, not it see a lock too screen. too fast for our simple brains. <laughs> you know, whereas with the 5S and the 6 models, like, you could push the home button to take your finger off, and it would wake up the screen, and you would be on your lock screen, and you about to rest your finger there in order to unlock it. You know, when they went to Gen 2 Touch ID, it was like, push the button and all you're in. It's like, oh, and now you got the wait. Pixel XL 3 where you tap the touch sensor to wake the display up, which unlocks it, and then your notifications are just right there, which is pretty awesome. I don't know if you noticed that, that but that touch sensor you can also uh, use to manipulate the settings of navigation for TalkBack. I almost called it voiceover. I had not noticed that. Yeah, if you go into the talkback settings, you can use it. So if you flick down on the, like, use your finger in a come hither motion is the best way to describe it. So you flick down on that touch sensor on the back of the phone, then it'll cycle between characters, words, lines, just like flicking up and down does on the main screen. So that's something to play around with and kind of something that intrigues me because that's open to the talkback developers, which potentially could be open to third-party developers as well i don't know yeah i mean the pixel 3 is nice like it's a nice phone it's it's big though like it, it's, it's it's a little bigger than i'm used to holding because mm-hmm. i've been using the iphone 8 for about uh, a year coming see up i've been using iphone now. 10 for a year so to me it was it was it's roughly the same, the same size. size yeah, yeah so see, i'm just like I, oh that's a little bit bigger <laughs> yeah i've been on the 8 like i got off the plus train and went to an 8 because I, I had been saying i wanted to try that yeah I just could not get iPhone 10 when it came out. It wasn't happening. Are you using the headphones at all with the Pixel? Because those are some funky-shaped headphones. I do not like these freaking <laughs> headphones, man. Oh, my God. They are the worst-shaped headphones ever. Like It's like somebody went and said, let's see how we can design a headphone that is not going to stay in Demasi's ear. And they made them. Like, now, no let, I me, let me ask you. Ha- have you plugged them into the phone yet, though? Yeah, I've, I've actually tried to use And you went the through the setup guide? Like, that's the first pair of headphones I've ever had that had a setup guide. Oh, no, I didn't get that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, maybe check your notifications. It might be there when you plug it in. There is a setup guide. It's for setting up your Pixel headphones. It walks you through the process of actually how you're supposed to properly put the headphones in your ear, uh, which was definitely useful for me. And then it'll hmm. also give you an opportunity to configure your Google Assistant so it will answer to you hands-free. And then you have to allow permissions so you can use the headphones when you're displaying play is locked and then you can use the okay google uh, voice recognition while the display is locked to be able to have it quickly take actions on your behalf and honestly once i went through that guide and i actually figured out how to put them in they sit in my ears fairly comfortable because at first i was like because you're supposed to gently push the wire the top wire loop wire into Mm -hmm. the top part of your ear and then fit the earpiece in your actual ear ah see maybe it didn't work for me because i did it backwards i tried to put the earpiece in my ear first and then fit the wire so yep 
So try that. And then once it actually sits in there, they've got a pretty decent sound. Uh, I'd like a little bit more lower end. I'm going to do some reviewing because I'm really intrigued by the Pixel Buds. I might wait until after May when Google has their Google I.O. just to see if they announce a second version of the Google Pixel Buds. But I'm kind of intrigued by them now. (laughs) Hmm. So one thing that has sort of I guess been of interest to me with getting the Pixel set up, and I don't have a ton of stuff installed yet. I did install Audible. The only app I installed was Pandora, so. (laughs) I installed Apple Music, too. (laughs) Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Have you played with it? Have you got it set up yet? Yeah, I have it set up. I signed in and everything. Uh, It's surprisingly similar to what you get on iOS. Uh, It has your typical tab, you know, your tabs that you see on iOS across the bottom. So uh, library for you, whatever the rest of them are. Right, right. Browse, but it, but it, it, yeah. it works, yeah. What I do need to do, and I just haven't spent the time to do it as of yet, I'll tell you why in a second, is actually go in and see, like, can I make that my default music player, uh, which uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I can. I just hadn't looked into how to actually do it. Uh, so that way, when I say, you know, okay, Google, or hey, Google, sorry if I triggered your devices, but play the, you your know, own pay play, podcast. play whatever, <laughs> uh, it'll play it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't sorry, do that right now. Sorry, we're not sorry now. now. <laughs> uh, it'll it'll actually play it from Apple Music instead of trying to launch me into Google Play Music or whatever right. it's called today. Interestingly enough, like I shouldn't have been able to trigger your devices if you have a Pixel. At least I can say this for the Pixel. They take you through a voice recognition process so that Google will only respond to your voice. I don't know how well it works because there's nobody else in my household with a voice anywhere near as deep as mine that could even try to trigger it but i'm curious if anybody has any feedback that does have one of these in a family environment where voices are somewhat similar how that actually works because in theory it's a good idea but you know those things don't always work I can give you my personal experiences with the Google Hub and Voice Match, uh, not with man, other how people's is the voices. Hub, man, the Hub is, and I hadn't hooked it up yet because we're about to move down to the new house. Oh, and you I got to get new, down there and hook it up. Just, just go down there and hook it up so that way it's done and it's ready, yeah, ready to go. So you got, you got electricity, I'm, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually planning on doing that over the weekend because we just picked Good. up the new route. So, man, I just went through this bullshit with Comcast. Oh man, so oh man. I was trying to save money with Comcast. I just want an internet at the house, right? Because uh, we're going to leave we cable don't need service TV. on. Who, who needs no, TV we're gonna, anymore? We're just going to leave cable service on up here for grandma, but we're going to just have internet. So they offered me a pretty nice deal on internet, which is going to give me 250 down. The up is probably what it always is, which is about 12 And then also get unlimited data, so no data cap, if I rent their modem which is 15 bucks a month. Now, I don't mind doing that for right now because I need to actually replace my router and I don't have the money right now with the move and all that to invest in the router that I actually like to buy, which is the Synology 2600 AC. It's a big, long gibberish name. You can go check uh, youronpay.com slash DM37 for actual full name of the router and a link to it on Amazon. But it's a nice router, and one of the reasons I'm interested in it is because it runs a very similar, I don't think it's the exact same software, but similar software to what runs on these Synology dish stations, which are just their NAS products. It seems to be a very powerful router. It has USB on it, so you can install a few packages, have your cloud sync set up, thinking I could probably run Plex off of it, do some other things with it. So interesting in that ideal that I don't have to go hack a router to put, you know, something like Tomato or DDWRT on it. But it's about 200 bucks, <laughs> uh, which isn't bad for what you're getting. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it's bad mm-hmm. for what you're getting. 
My only concern and one reason I don't want to invest the money in it right now, I have to deal with returns is I'm not certain that the Synology inter- web interface that I would have to use is accessible. Uh, the last that time concerned. that I heard somebody, yeah, the last time I heard somebody actually mention attempting to use it with voiceover on the Mac, admittedly, two things to be admittedly. One, it was a sighted person that had some familiarity with voiceover and was testing it because she knew her audience was actually, I I, I can't get her name out. (laughs) Mm, Allison. (laughs) Yeah, it was Allison Sheridan from the uh, NoSillaCast podcast, uh, hosted at podfeet.com. Go check it out. With an ever so Apple biased. (laughs) Yeah. Super cool lady. Uh, She has some familiar, she's not a full-time voiceover user, so of course she's not nearly as proficient with it as a everyday user like myself or Mike is, but she does know how to use it. Like it's not, she turns it on and doesn't know what the hell she's doing type of thing. So she took a look at their interface at some point when she had a Synology disk station that she was taking a look at. And she said all she got from voiceover is just image so they have a bunch of images that represent the items you need to click on the screen that thing is driving me nuts literally with the software we talked about last time you guys listened to us connect (laughs) Uh, the table software (laughs) Airtable (laughs) oh oh, I mean two episodes ago I forgot that you guys heard Airtable I was talking about Todoist (laughs) oh yeah Todoist is really driving me crazy I would probably drop OmniFocus altogether if I could just open it up on my Mac open up Todoist that is on my Mac get that fucking menu to show so I can forward emails to it (laughs) I just want to email you know items into my project list that's all I want to do I need to reach out to support. I keep meaning to. I haven't done it yet. I need to figure out if there's any way that I I wonder if they can set them up per project base. If you reach out to support, might be something to check into. That's the thing to do, because I also need to reach out to support. But it's one of them things where you go try something. You're like, well, I don't want to send. At least my some of my hesitation is like when I think about it, it's like, well, I really just looked at that very quickly and didn't get what I wanted out of Mm -hmm. it. There may be a way. Mm -hmm. Let me wait until I got some time to deal with it. And the next time I try to open it up on the Mac is because I'm like, hey, let me go see if this works. No, that doesn't work. God damn it. Let me go over here. Now you want to know what is freaking cool that does work on the Mac? If you open a draft, start a task, right? Asterisk, space, then the name of the task, right? Hit enter, type tab, and then the first step that needs to be done. Hit enter. Tab's automatically entered there. Type the next task, and then hit enter again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That's what I did with the publish episode task, and then I selected all of that copied it over to the uh, quick add dialog box by pressing the letter Q in the app, pasted it, and it created the task with all the subtasks under it. So that is pretty handy and saved me a lot of time if we could just get it to work consistently. Anyways, back to today's topic. Yeah. Uh, the Synology drive, when you, if you don't get it, I'll tell you personally, it's a little bit more, but the Google Wi-Fi mesh setup is, from what I found, 100% accessible. Um, it doesn't give you all the same features that Synology does, but I did record an AOTD about that uh, that people can listen to if they head on over to yourandpay.com slash DM37. I'll link to it. Demasi, real quick about the Pixel headphones, back to them. I tried them in the Chromebook, and they worked just fine because they were USB-C, which is great. I also tried them on the Mac. Now, here's the problem that I think I ran into. Uh, they didn't work, but I'm not sure if I was plugging them into USB-C or Thunderbolt. So, my <laughs> Is there any way to figure out the difference? Or? <laughs> so, my understanding of, of, of the ports on any of the newer Macs to have a USB-C slash... Well, it's so let's break this down so that nobody gets confused. 
USB-C is just a connector type. Ah. Right. What yep. goes over USB-C is what is confusing a lot of people when it comes to the MacBooks, at least. USB-C can support USB 3.0. I think it's actually USB 3.1 gen something. So it's super fast USB 3.0. And it can also support Thunderbolt 3.0. Now, as far as I know, Apple is the main proponent of using Thunderbolt 3.0 over USB-C. I'm not going to say they're the only company because somebody will jump out of the woods and be like, oh, no, this HP Spectre has it too. It's like, I don't know (laughs) about those though. But I do know Apple is is a big pusher of of Thunderbolt 3.0. My understanding of the way that it functions on the MacBook Pros at this point, it's supposed to be smart enough if you plug in a USB Type-C USB 3 device, it's supposed to give you USB 3. If you plug in a USB Type-C connector that is a Thunderbolt Mm. device, then it's supposed to give you Thunderbolt. Now, I also think that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are two ports on each side of that laptop. Yep, yep. So I think the two on the left, if I remember right, are Thunderbolt 3 as well as USB 3. Mm. Uh, And the two on the right are just USB 3 and not Thunderbolt. And it also could very well be that the headphones just don't work with the Mac too, which I I haven't done any research, so no one quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure, but... It might be a situation where when you plug them in, it's not instantly recognizing them or it's not instantly switching because that computer also has a headphone jack. So Uh you may have to go say output my audio to these, you know, uh, whatever they're called. Yeah, that's probably actually what I think the problem is that you're going to have to manually go switch them. It was pretty cool, though, just plugging them into the Chromebook and it popped right open in Chromevox, which is an interesting thing. The voice on your Pixel XL, just so you know, and the default latest Chromevox voice are exactly the same. So if you're curious what Chromevox. So, you know, kind of back to the Pixel 3, Mike, I see that you said March. You're going to try using the Pixel 3 more than iOS. So you can prove a point to Mallory? What what are you trying to prove to Mallory at this? All right. So Mallory kept telling me, as you know, I like to try different devices out. So Mallory kept telling me, well, you you can't do Android because every time you get an Android device, this hasn't been the first time, you get frustrated with it and you go back to iOS. And I can't argue with that point because up until now every time i got an android phone i get frustrated with the fact that things just didn't work the way i expected them to and so i'd jump back over to ios and get an iphone and throw a man fit until i got my iphone and then get an iphone and actually make it work right i think possibly the pixel xl3 might be a different story for that at least for the three days i've spent with it i'm gonna as i said commit the month of March to me using Android and we'll probably talk more about like apps that we'll miss from iOS and stuff like that during that process on the podcast. But I, I think it's something I'm going to experiment with for a little bit. Um, how long has it been since you used Android as your full-time phone? So last time I used Android as my full-time phone, oh man, it had to be around iPhone five time. So I was using the S3, Galaxy S3, whenever that was sort of the newest ah. Galaxy phone. Yeah. That's the last time I used Android full time. And I mean, it was fine back then. Uh, it, of course, it was running Samsung's <laughs> software for the most part. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I used Nova Launcher to get buy all that stuff. But they had done some customizations at that point to uh, the way the talkback functioned. Right. So there were some enhancements that were not there on regular talkback at that time. I'm in agreement with you that I think the Pixel 3 is like really good talkback, seems really responsive. 
and the enhancements that they brought as far as navigation go from the last time I was using an Android phone for any significant amount of time are tremendous, like tremendous enhancements. There are some reasons I don't think I could go full-time Android, but like you, I do intend on attempting to spend as much time using the Android phone as possible, especially since I still have a watch. So a lot of stuff that I would miss as far as notifications from iOS, because what I don't want to do is take my SIM card out of my iPhone and stick it to the Android phone. So Google Fi will probably be the solution for that for the Android phone. So I do have a number. Mm-hmm that I'll be able to use and I can just keep my watch on. And as long as my phone is on, I should be able to get text messages, well, I messages and all of that stuff. And then you can forward your phone calls from your other phone to your Google five phone number, which by the way, if you're interested in Google Fi, head on over to your pay.com slash DM 37. Yeah. Thank you <laughs> to get the show notes or to get access to a $20 credit. And you'll also support Demasi by uh, getting that. Now I'm using Google Fi and uh, I Mallory likes it because it uses the U S cellular network where we are when you're on pixel, when you're on a made for Google Fi device, like the pixel XL is. So we don't have dropped calls halfway from here to work like she normally does. And so she can call me when she leaves from home and tell me all the things she wants me to get done before she gets home. And she doesn't drop the call in the middle of it and doesn't have to call me back and say, did I already tell you to do this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I noticed that when looking at the uh, Fi documentation too, it was like, you know, automatically switch between networks based off, you know, where you are, what's strongest is if you have a made for five phone as the Pixel 3 is, I, I would suspect that you're going to be stuck with a specific network if you're trying to use it T-Mobile. Uh, on an iPhone. It's T-Mobile if you're trying to use it on an iPhone or a different phone, which might not be a bad situation depending on where you live. But where we live, we'll still have that dropped section right there in the same area because um, I just know from personal experiences, you you, you get to know cell phone networks around where you live <laughs> yeah you do google Fi is an interesting project though it looks like a lot i mean a lot of people are trying to get into that business uh mm-hmm. xfinity comcast is actually in the Ooh. business with their xfinity mobile and they're using verizon as the backbone of their cell network uh interestingly enough they're offering you unlimited talk text and data for 45 bucks a month mm-hmm. what an option to do a payment plan for new phones uh, which i found interesting but I think the reason that they're able to do it and maybe somewhere like Family Mobile through mm. Walmart that's using T-Mobile can't do like the payment plans for new devices is because uh, Comcast basically already has that infrastructure in yep. place as a cable company. Like, So they're used to, first of all, taking monthly payments. They're used to breaking up payments for devices over several, I mean, shit, they charge you 15 bucks a month for a router. Uh, <laughs> you know that router don't cost that much, too, so they're used to marking shit up, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, they can cost quite a uh, To get the version of the router that they have built for them, they, they, they typically you, run. You, you think start more than 175 three. though? Yeah. Because that's a year think, with the router. Yeah, because you got to think about it, though. You got to think about what you're getting with any cable provider's modem is you're getting the cable service mm-hmm. into it. So you have a cable, you have three different devices, sometimes four, but you have at least three different devices there. You have a cable mm-hmm. modem that brings your signal across the cable into your house. You have a router that routes yeah. your traffic inside your house, and you also have a wireless access point. And sometimes a phone. Yeah, and then sometimes a phone. The one that yep. we just got, which is their 
what is it called? Yeah, I was about to say Google something. Xfinity Advantage modem. Uh does not have regular phone jacks on it, so it does not provide phone service. Uh Unless you plug in a VoIP box yourself, yeah. but then it just doesn't come with it built in. So. Yeah, it doesn't come with it built in. Yep. But this is supposed to be a smart device in the sense of like it's supposed to start over the next six months, the lady told me. It's supposed to detect like where do you use Wi-Fi at the most during certain parts of the day and start steering the power of the of the Wi-Fi, beaming it more in that general direction as opposed to just splatting everywhere. So if the den is getting a lot of Wi-Fi traffic throughout the day, then mm-hmm. it should start steering more power that way so that the signal is better in there. And like I said, the reason I was willing to pick it up is because I am going to buy a router. One thing I didn't mention about the uh, Synology router, one reason that I am interested in it too, not just for its uh, Synology router management software that comes installed on it, but also because Synology does have mesh mm. products. Mm. I forget mm-hmm. the exact name of them. It will be in the show notes, a link to those as well. But the Synology 2600 router can serve as a standalone router or as a base station for the additional uh, mesh, mesh, wire, mesh, or mesh satellite. Yeah, which is cool, right? Because I could buy the router again mm-hmm. and I got to find out if it's accessible. Right, right. Because that's the big question is, is it accessible? Right. I got to go drop 200 bucks on it. I can't configure it. It's like, okay, you got to go back. Synology. Demasi is willing to accept a free one. Feel free to mail it to him. He'll mail it back to you if it's not accessible. He'd be glad to mail it back to you. He just doesn't want to buy it and deal with the headache of returning it. Yeah, returns <laughs> can be a pain in the butt sometimes. <laughs> so, Anyways, uh, that's all I got for you guys for this week. Uh, you got anything else, Demasi? Nope, that's it. Alright. How do they follow you on Twitter? I don't know, man. I'm not even on Twitter anymore. Oh yeah, that's right. Alright, all right. how do oh, they no. get a hold of you? You need to do something. <laughs> Website, Twitter, something. Uh, you can tweet at me. I'm at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E on Twitter. And he is at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N, year on pay.com slash DM37 for show notes and more information. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.